Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. If you have your Bibles this morning, take them. Uh, we're going to open up to two passages. Uh, first, Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52. And then, and then find Romans chapter 10. Isaiah 52 and then Romans chapter 10. In Isaiah 52, verse 7, the Bible says this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Said, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. You know, it's interesting as you study through the Old Testament and the Old Testament prophets and how they were prophesying about the future Christ to come, the Messiah. But uh, it's interesting as we look at it that to find out that they were uh, their hope was in the same thing that our hope is in. Uh, their salvation was our salvation. The Old Testament uh, prophets and saints, uh, and that was in Jesus Christ. Um, the coming Messiah, sure, but most every prophet prophesied even farther than the coming Messiah. They prophesied about uh, the coming King of Kings and Jesus Christ being uh, the King uh, during the millennium to rule and reign in Jerusalem and to bring peace on earth, that coming kingdom. They prophesied of the salvation that was to come to the Gentile nations and Gentile world. They prophesied of the eternal life that was to, to come, the gospel, through the gospel. And, and for us here, here today, it's a little uh, more clear because... Uh, the gospel has happened. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have the gospel written. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have the words of Christ written in the New Testament and, and, and the apostles. We have um, the indwelling Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost. So we have those things that makes it much more clear. But that's what they also were looking to was for this salvation. And, and to know that our God, he says here... Our God reigns. Uh, our God is in control. The creator of the universe, the sustainer of life, uh, the light to our path, uh, He is in control. And by the way, that's good news. That's good news that God is in control. And you know what I believe for us as Christians that we have to live, live like that God's in control. In other words that our actions, the way that we live out our life, uh, matches what we profess that we believe, is that God's in control. I think so many times the reason why we worry, the reason why we have so much 
anxiety is because we, we, we feel like maybe uh, he's not in control in this one circumstance or this one, one area, but he is in control. And by the way, that is good news. That is good news. And, and the Bible says that good news being published, being told, being sent is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. That's the title of this morning's message is, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. He says in this verse twice, he says, bringing. Uh, those that are bringing the gospel, bringing it. Uh, then he says, publishing. He says, publishing it twice. Uh, by the way, to publish something is to go public with it. It is to uh, make it known without reserve. It is to put it into circulation. And for us as God's people, we're to go public with the gospel. We're to publish it. We're to put it out there. And by doing that, by fulfilling our calling, by fulfilling our commission, that's a beautiful thing. He says, how beautiful are the feet. Um, he mentions this multiple times in reference to the gospel going out as our feet. In other words, we've got to take it. We've got to go. There's action involved with publishing, with preaching the gospel. Paul said this, I declare unto you the gospel. In 1 Corinthians, he says, I declare unto you the gospel. What was it that he declared? Uh, he said, by the way, the gospel is what we stand on as, as believers, and it's what we are saved by. That's what Paul said. And the gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the hope that we have of eternal life. And Paul said in that, where he said he declared under the gospel, that there was 500 people at one time that saw the resurrected Christ. And when he wrote that down to the letter to the Corinthians, most of those people that had seen him, not just the 500 at one time, but all the people that had saw the resurrected Christ, he said, most of them are still alive at this moment of writing this down. The evidence that we have in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, what is called the good news. The good news. Now, go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This is Paul's letter to the believers at Rome. By the way, uh, when Paul wrote this letter to the believers at Rome, oh boy, they were going through some serious, serious, hard core uh, persecution. These believers. And still, the gospel was what sustained them. Still, the gospel was what uh, held them up. I mean, the believers at that day were being fed to the lions. The, literally, the believers at that day were used as torches in Nero's gardens. Uh, they were being persecuted. But he writes to them and says in Romans chapter 10, and verse 9, he says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then here's, here's what I was getting to. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preaching? Verse 15, 
And how shall they preach except they be said? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. He says, listen, this gospel is what saves. This gospel is what gives eternal life. And he says, and by the way, for anyone who's received the gospel, we've been given the gospel. We've received it. We have been commissioned to give it. That's why Paul said about himself, he said, I am a debtor to the gospel. What he meant by that is, God gave me something to give away. And if I don't give it away, I'm not doing what I was called to do, right? So Paul said, we've been given the gospel, and we've been given it to publish. We've been given it to bring it. Bring it to the world. And Paul, that's what he did with his life. He brought it. I mean, he took the gospel everywhere he possibly could. And I'm telling you, it wasn't easy for Paul. He, he, he struggled. It is, he said, my, my flesh was weak. He struggled with blindness. He struggled with persecution. He struggled with these things in his life that were harmful and hurtful. And he said, listen, I still believe that people need to hear the gospel. Let's, let's think of it this way. In order to have this salvation, we have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Sure, and it's a it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's it's a work of God's Holy Spirit in our life by which we are to be saved. But we have a responsibility in this, in that we have to help folks here, right? Now, our responsibility in that we can't save an individual. We can't cause an individual to believe. We, there's nothing about us that we can. But, but we can publish it. We can speak it. We can proclaim it, the good news. And he says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I believe as we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, this can build faith in individuals. And in that, that's a seed that's planted that the Holy Spirit of God can use to bring new life, eternal life in someone. The Bible says in Colossians Chapter 4 and verse 6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. This context of this passage is he's saying, um, know how to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ toward those that don't believe. And so he says, I do it with grace. In other words, we're not trying to offend anybody. We're not trying to argue. Uh, we're trying to just give away the good news. He says, but do it kind of wisely. He says, that you know how you ought to answer every man. I believe that how is important. The way that we go about it, our attitude and how we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But then he says this, seasoned with salt. And I thought, you know, what, what, do, what is it that we want from folks like Jesus said to the woman at the well? He can give living water. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, I can give living water that will be in you, springing up the everlasting life. And so I think about our speech making folks thirsty for the living water. Making folks want to know more about the good news of Jesus Christ. And using our, we were, it was just Rebecca's uh, birthday. And so for her birthday, we, um, we went to Hawking Hills and hiked in the caves and now all around those hiking trails. It was a lot of fun. And 
And the, the kids, uh, all of them did really well. I thought we were going to have to carry them for a lot of long days. I'm telling you, uh, Troy and Finn, both of Finn, walked for, for hours out there. And he did really, he did really well. And uh, we had walkers with us. You know, but they didn't last long. We had them in our backpacks, and uh, and those waters we went through them pretty quick. And uh, we got down to the last bottle of water, and we were just about done with the hiking trip. It's not like we were dying first out there, but we got down to the last bottle of water, and and you should have seen. I've never seen kids want to conserve every drip and every drop of water, all four of them wanting to share that bottle of water. Why? Because they were thirsty. And when you're thirsty, when you're thirsty, uh, the water sounds so good. There's nothing, you know, when you're really thirsty, there's no other drink that you want more than that water. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit of God and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, I'm convinced of this. By the way, I think in order to be a, a, a good bearer of good news, you've got to be convinced that the gospel, eternal life, and salvation is the best thing going. That's right. It's the best thing to quench the thirst that humans have. There's something missing. And to be convinced that this water uh, can bring a quenching to your soul uh, makes all the difference of the, in the world. That salt will make you thirsty. The Bible says, as cold waters, Proverbs 25, 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Can you, can you feel that, that thirst and that water? We were hiking one time in Montana, and uh, it was dry. And we had frozen these waters and uh, drank through all the water, but there's a big chunk of ice, you know, in, in there, and you're die- it's like you feel like you're dying of thirst. And so every single little drip, you know, you're trying to get every... It's a terrible thing to have that much water, but not being able to drink it, you know? You're trying everything you can, getting it in the sun and getting air into it, anything you can to get the water. And I believe that there are folks out there that are thirsty, that they, they, they just, anything that they could, and if we offer them, if we bring them that living water uh, that uh, is, is made possible by Jesus Christ, they'll receive it. And it'll quench their thirst. We can be confident of that. I find it interesting, both in Isaiah and in Romans, that he mentions our feet in correlation with presenting the gospel. Our feet. In other words, there's action to it. He says that again in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, uh, talking about putting on the whole armor of God, he says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet shod. Your feet are ready to give the gospel. Ready to take the gospel. In other words, what we have in the good news of Jesus Christ needs to be taken out. Outside of these four walls into our community, into our workplaces, into the world uh, that, we, uh, that surrounds us. And that's exactly what Paul the Apostle did. I want to take an example in his life. Take, take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Paul the Apostle, he's uh, very, uh, uh, when he was uh, a Pharisee, when he was um, moving up through the ranks in, in the uh, Sanhedrin, if you will, he was doing really well. 
and he was persecuting Christians. Um, the Bible says in Acts chapter 9 that he went with authority from the high priest, uh, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against any of the disciples of the Lord. He went to Damascus to find out anyone that was of this way, meaning of the, uh, a Christian, and he was going to haul them off into prison. This is Saul of Tarsus. And on his way, you know who he met? He met Jesus Christ. And he knocked him off his high horse, right? And down on the ground, uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus said, uh, Who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. And, he's, and at that moment, Saul of Tarsus is converted. And he says that he believes on Jesus Christ as God. And he says in verse 6, this is what he says. He says, And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? As soon as Paul receives this conversion, as soon as he puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the first thing he says is, Lord, what, what will you have me to do? What do you want me to do? And he says, I'll show you what I want you to do, Paul. I've got a plan for your life. And he leads him into town. And, of course, Paul's totally blind at this point. And he, he, he finds a man by the name of Ananias, one of the people that Paul came to persecute, by the way. And he told, tells Ananias that Saul that's coming to haul you off into prison, I want you to go find him, take him in your house and help him out. And Ananias is like, no, 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 I heard about this guy and I know why he's coming. And the Lord says this to Ananias in verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, go that way to Ananias. For he is a chosen vessel, Saul of Tarsus, to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. It's interesting that the moment that Saul of Tarsus receives Jesus Christ. Jesus tells Ananias, Paul is going to gonna be a witness for me to the Gentiles. And he does. Doesn't he? He starts churches all over the Gentile world. We have the book of Corinthians, Thessalonians, Philippians, uh, Ephesians, all of those because he went to the Gentile world and started churches. He preached to the Jewish people. And he preached to kings. He preached to multiple kings all the way up to Nero. And so he fulfilled what God had called him to do. So he begins to preach. By the way, uh, if, you, if you've ever witnessed to someone just trying to tell your testimony and what God's done to you and it didn't go so well, uh, don't feel bad. Because the first time that Paul, he, you know, he's called of God to preach, called of God to share the gospel, the first time that he preaches was to his own people in Damascus. He begins to preach to the Jewish people in Damascus and the Bible says that they uh, begin to take counsel on how to kill him. And they closed off all the gates, and they said, we're going to take his life. And Paul had to be lowered down outside the city wall by a basket. They had to lower him down out of the basket and have him get out of town. You know, I don't know if that would help you the first time that, you know, you, you try to give the, you say, hey, 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 Paul, you know, How'd your first sermon go, you know? How'd your first witness into your friends go, Paul? Well, uh, not so good. I had to sneak out of town uh, being led down by a basket out of a wall. It didn't go so well. But you know what Paul did? He continued on. He continued on. He continued to go and to tell the good news city after city, time after time. Eventually, Paul goes on what is called his first missionary journey. And he goes from town to town preaching the gospel and giving the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to go on a second missionary journey. And I want us to look at that for just a second this morning. Acts chapter 16. Paul in his mind 
Paul in his mind thinks that he is going to go to Asia and preach the gospel um, toward, toward uh, Asia. And he's determined to go that direction. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that twice the Holy Ghost told him no. The Holy Spirit's like, you know, have you ever been that way? You thought you were going to go this direction, and it's like the door shuts. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not the way it's supposed to work. That's not the way. And Paul's like, but I thought you called me to preach the gospel. Then where is it that I'm going to go, right? If that door shuts, I know I'm supposed to give the good news of Jesus Christ. Which way do I go? Where, where, where do I turn? So he, he gets told no. And then Acts chapter 16 and verse um, 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia. And he prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So uh, he gets this call, Come over and help us. This guy in a vision by night. So verse 10, look at this. This is what I like about Paul. Verse 10, he says, uh, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. You know what that is? Feet. Feet. As soon as he gets this dream, this vision, of a guy saying, come over and help us in Macedonia, Paul says, immediately, we endeavored to go to Macedonia. Uh, And here's what he said. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. You know what Paul thought? If somebody's saying, help us, what greater help can you give than the good news of Jesus Christ? Isn't it interesting that when when Paul gets a vision from some folks in Macedonia saying, we need help, Paul said, you can't help anyone more than giving them the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, You can't help anyone any more than than giving them salvation, eternal life. Uh, I, I think that Paul says, you know what? That's my calling. That's the direction that I'm supposed to go. I'm going to go over into Macedonia and I'm going to help him by publishing, by bringing it, by taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ unto them. So, verse 12. And from thence uh, to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in the city abiding certain days. So he gets a vision to go to Macedonia. He crosses over into that region. And by the way, let me, I have a map here. Just, I want you to see this. So Paul thought he was uh, from the top of the Mediterranean Sea. Paul thought he was going to go toward Asia. Uh, to preach the gospel, but the Lord in the second missionary journey caused him to go over into Europe. And by the way, this in Acts chapter 16 is the first account of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ going into Europe. Greece, Italy, Rome, and guess where eventually uh, our Europe, guess where eventually that it, it uh, ended up? To the United States. Yeah, amen. This is one guy, one decision to take the gospel into Europe. This is where it happens, and it continued to spread from here. The first city that Paul preaches, the first place that the gospel is preached in Europe, is in a city called Philippi. 
Philippi was named after Alexander the Great's father, Philip the Great. And so he goes over into Philippi to preach the gospel. And look how it happens. So he goes over into... And I find it's interesting. It says he goes into Philippi and abides there certain days. Have you ever gone into a city just to be there for a few days? Uh, what, what, what would it be that you would do if you went into a strange city for a few days? Here's what Paul did. Verse 13. And on the Sabbath, verse 13, he went out of the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And he sat down and spake unto the unto the women there which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira. So she's a, Lydia is a businesswoman that uh, deals in uh, high-end uh, clothing, uh, which uh, worshiped God, heard us, whose, I like what it says here, whose heart the Lord opened. Look at it. When we're, when we're presenting the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are working in, in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We are proclaiming the good news, but you know who opens the heart? The Lord opens the heart. The Holy Spirit has to open the heart. And so Paul goes down to the river where these ladies are sitting down there praying, and he begins to tell them about Jesus Christ. They, they had some form of religion, apparently they're down there praying and he goes down there and tells them about Jesus, the gospel. And Lydia's heart is open to the gospel. She receives it. And she attended under, under the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household. So here's what's interesting. Lydia accepts Christ. Then her whole household accepts Christ. And she besought us saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Do you know who the first convert in Europe is a lady by the name of Lydia. You know why uh, Lydia and her household were able to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Because Paul heard a call of come over and help us in the Macedonia. And he decided then to go and to preach the gospel to them and she accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Her heart was open and then their whole family did after. You know what's interesting is uh, this is how it happened in my family. My mom was going through a, a tough, tough thing in her life uh, long before I was born. And somebody gave her a gospel tract, a little, a little pamphlet that had the gospel of Jesus Christ in it. And uh, she, she just stuck it away. She said she always, she told me she always thought it was important, but she didn't understand it and didn't know. Uh, what all, all it was about. So she stuck it away, and she said she always kept it safe, like it was a special thing, and uh, didn't throw it away or nothing. And then later in her life, I think right after I was born, uh, she got that out, that gospel tract, and she read it, and at the end of it, told her how she could pray and ask Jesus Christ into her heart. And she did. She prayed and received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And my mom later led my dad to Christ. Um, in our in our in our house in our living room, she led me to Christ at the at the foot of her bed in her bedroom. My sister, my grandparents. Um, eventually, the gospel spread throughout our whole family, and everyone it seemed like in our our family had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of one person. And this is how it works. Uh, this is a beautiful thing when salvation comes to not just one individual, 
but to a whole family and to a city, by the way. The, the gospel had never been there. So Paul, he, he preaches to Lydia and he continues uh, to give the gospel. And he, there's this woman in the city, girl, the Bible says, a, a young woman, and she's possessed. And she's a slave to these people that use her uh, for sorcery. And Paul goes up and, uh, uh, and he casts that evil spirit out of her and, and, and delivers her from that. But her masters were angry with her. So they get a crowd together and go after Paul. And the Bible says that they tore his clothes off and they beat him. And the Bible says that they put him in a prison. And they took his feet and, and locked him up in chains and put him in an inner prison because of what he'd done. This is in Philippi. Because of the good that he did for this young girl. Now pick up the story with me in verse, verse 25. Verse 25. The Bible says in, in verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now this is, remember now, this is after Paul and Silas had been beaten. This is after the Bible says that their feet were held fast in the stocks in the inner prison, dungeon. It says, And Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I guarantee you this is the first time that this has ever happened in prison. Uh, that the prisoners heard somebody at midnight singing praises unto God and praying uh, uh, there in the prison. They thought, my goodness, wow. Uh, this is, you know how someone after getting beat like this and after uh, being imprisoned like this can sing praises? That's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you agree with that? That after you got beat up and thrown in prison for helping some young girl uh, be delivered from, from, from slavery and from evil spirits, uh, that's the only reason why you could be able to sing praises and thank God when your back is told. The Bible said they, they were beating their stripes on their back and beating them up. And I got to thinking, you wonder what songs they were singing. You know, they used to sing the Psalms. Uh, so they may have been singing something like, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. That's Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. You know, there had to be something different about Paul and Silas when they got beaten up like this. And they're in a spiritual warfare. I mean, the reason why they were in prison is because they were taking the gospel to a city. And, uh, and they didn't want, they, they, the enemy didn't like that. And so Paul's thrown into prison because of it. And, uh, and he says, uh, uh, they were singing songs and praises. You know, there's this little song we used to sing. I heard a, a, a preacher that has passed away he used to sing it now called, Run If You Want To, Run If You Will, But I Came Here To Stay. It goes like this. Run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. If I fall down, I'm going to get her back up because I didn't start out to play. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. So run if you want to, run if you will, 
but I came here to stay. And I think that's what Paul and Silas were singing that night, thinking, you know what? We were called to give the Gospel to the Lord Jesus Christ, and even though it looks bad, and even though we're suffering for it, uh, this is a battle, and we're on the right side. We're on the winning side. We're presenting the good news of Jesus Christ, and we're going to sing and sing praises even in the middle of the trouble. We're not going to run from it. And, and here's what happens. Here's the result of what happens from Paul and Silas is singing and worshiping the Lord in a terrible situation. Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew the sword and would have killed himself supposing the prisoner had left. It was his life for theirs back then. If anybody escaped his life for theirs. And Paul cried uh, with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And that's a miracle. <laughs> I mean, the prison doors are opened up and nobody's running out. That's a miracle. And, and, and he called for a life and he sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Look at this. This is what the prisoner, prison guard said to Paul and Silas. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I called my mom yesterday just to, to refresh my memory on how she received that gospel track and, um, and read it and things like that. And uh, I've heard the story before, but just wanted to make sure I was getting it right. And she said, yeah, someone gave me, uh, my sister, my, my, my older sister had given me uh, that gospel track when I was going through a tough time. She said, the name of the gospel track was, What Must I Do to Be Saved? I said, wow, that's exactly what I had my notes already. We were gonna, so the gospel track that my mom read to receive Christ was the same thing that the Philippian jailer said to Paul and Silas, What must I do to be saved? And here's what, here's what the answer was. Here's what Paul and Silas said to the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, look at this, in thy house. And they speak unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes and were baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he brought them into the house, he set me before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Isn't that amazing? The whole family gets in on it. It goes from the prison prison uh, guard who, who may have been a part of the beating uh, now is washing his stripes and, and helping him. And, 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 and he brings them into his house. And by the way, we don't have time to read the rest of the story. They're delivered. By the time, by the, time the story's over, the uh, magistrates of that city are asking Paul and Silas uh, to come out of jail uh, and asking them to be released. God delivered them. You know what I find interesting? Is that uh, later, when Paul's about ready to, uh, to die, he knows he is. He knows Nero's going to take his head. And he writes a letter from his prison cell to a group of believers in a city called Philippi. We have that book. It's called Philippians. You know who he was writing to? He was writing to Lydia and her family. He was writing to the Philippian jailer and, her family, and his family. Those people were the founding members of the church of Philippi. And uh, Paul writes that letter back. You know what that letter is called? The letter of rejoicing. 
You know, Paul knew that his end had come, and he was going to give his life for the gospel. In that whole letter, you cannot find one complaint. Actually, he says stuff like this in that letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says in that letter, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound in all things. I'm commanded uh, you know, to, to give thanks and to be content. I'm paraphrasing. And I bet you when, when the Philippian jailer got that letter from Paul, he says, isn't that true? I remember that night at midnight, when Paul was laying there with his feet bound up in stocks and his back feet. He was thanking God, praising God. Paul presented his life to give the God. He took his life to give the gospel. And at the end of Paul's life, he was thrilled that he died. He was thrilled that he had given his life to, to give the good news. And it's just one person at a time. Again, the, the first city goes into in Philippi, first city uh, preached the gospel in Europe. Well, now look. Look at, I, I believe that we here this morning are a result of that Macedonian call. The gospel coming uh, to, to America from Europe and all these sort of things. This is a result of Paul obeying the Macedonian call. Uh, there is a ripple effect that happens when we obey the good news, of, obey the call of Jesus Christ to share the good news. And it's just one person at a time. Then one family at a time turns into one nation at a time. Because the good news changes lives, homes, and nations. As we close, uh, the Macedonian call is still going out today. When Jesus ascended into heaven, He told His disciples, which was for us, and you shall be witnesses of Me. And they did. After Christ uh, 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 rose from the dead, they became witnesses and began to preach the gospel into these other cities. And they preached it to their, to their friends. That's what Philip found Nathaniel. And, and they preached it to their neighbors as the woman at the well went and told all the Samaritans and brought them out. And they preached it into the highways, the Bible said, and the byways and into the uttermost parts of the world. And the call is the same for us today, uh, to take the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. What would it look like for us to heed the Macedonian call? Who would we go and take the gospel to? Would it be neighbors, friends, family? Would it be traveling somewhere else to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Uh, you know what he says about that? He says, those are beautiful feet. Those are beautiful feet. It's a beautiful thing when the gospel changes an individual's life. It's a beautiful thing when the gospel changes a whole family. And eventually can change whole communities, whole cities. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.